Here's the rundown for this edition of the Cigar Dave Show. Alec Bradley Cigar Company sold for a big number. California legislator proposes prohibitionist generational tobacco ban. That includes cigars. Sensual Hollywood legend Raquel Welch passes away. Socialist Bernie Sanders is a closet capitalist. Actually, let me do that last line in a Bernie Sanders impression. I, Bernard Sanders, I, Bernie, don't tell anybody. Even though I'm a socialist, I'm a closet capitalist. I'll tell you about that later. And Tiger Woods' funny viral prank sends ugly feminists into convulsions. Wonderful. The Cigar Dave Show is presented by Davidoff of Geneva and their Avo portfolio of cigars, including the Avo Heritage, crafted through centuries of traditions. Avo Heritage was developed for the cigar connoisseur, seeking a fuller-bodied cigar with strength, complexity, and impeccable smoothness. Savor every note of the spice-laden Avo Heritage, available at DavidoffGeneva.com. And by Gurkha, the world's finest cigars, including the new Gurkha Pure Evil. Blended for cigar connoisseurs able to handle a full-flavored cigar loaded with strength, power, and richness. Don't let the name fool you. Gurkha Pure Evil is pure cigar pleasure. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. This is the Cigar Dave Show with the General. Time to get to today. As always, I extend to you... My long-ass greetings and salutations, a long-ass snappy salute, semper delictatio, always pleasure, long live the alpha, make masculinity great again, screw the enemies of pleasure, screw the wussified betas, it is your global five-star general and alpha male-in-chief front and center from Command Center Alpha, Humidor 1A in the Cigar City of Tampa, let's get to it without any delay. First up, big blockbuster news in the world of cigars. Alec Bradley Cigar Company sold for $72.5 million to STG, the Scandinavian Tobacco Group, the parent company of General Cigar, of Cigars International, of Thompson Cigar, and numerous other companies in the cigar business. The uh, Alec Bradley Cigar Company was founded by Alan Rubin back in 1996. I actually remember uh, meeting him for the first time at one of the RTDA conventions, the Retail Tobacco Dealers Association conventions at the time. He named the company after his two sons, uh, Alec and Bradley. In 2000, Ralph Montero, who was well-known in the cigar industry, worked for Tropical Tobacco, had his own brand called the Montero, excellent cigar. He ended up joining, and here we are now, 23 years later, the company is sold for big numbers, $72.5 million. The, in the press release announcing the purchase, STG said that in 2021, Alec Bradley generated $25 million in revenue, and the company's EBITDA, which is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization, basically that's a number we call cash flow, a measure of profit was 24%. So when you take a look at that, you're talking probably in the area of about $8.2 million in EBITDA in cash flow. 
STG said that Alec Bradley's revenue and EBITDA improved in 2022, but they did not give specific numbers. It did, however, say that Alec Bradley sold 10 million cigars in 2022. There is no question every cigar manufacturer benefited from the pandemic. Initially, many manufacturers were worried because retailers were closed, but what picked up the slack? That was the online and catalog mail-order cigar retailers. The Thompson Cigars, the JR Cigars, the Cigars International, and uh, many of the other famous cigars, Mike's Cigars. And the last two years have been absolutely gangbusters because more people were at home during the pandemic. They could smoke cigars during the day. Many people that were working from home, if they had a man cave, they had an outdoor patio. Whereas before, if you're in an office environment, you can't smoke a cigar. You got to wait until uh, you leave the house to, or leave the office. And let's face it, when you're in an office environment, you're not going to just stop and leave the office for a half an hour, 45 minutes. However, if you are working from home, in your home office, in your man cave, in your patio, what are you going to do? You can still work by phone, by computer, you fire up a cigar. Why did we see cigar sales increase? Why did we see off-premise spirit sales increase? Because people during the Wuhan virus pandemic had more opportunity to consume those products since they were working from home. But what is amazing is that the 2022, the growth continued. Now, it has started to moderate. I mean, I talked to several cigar manufacturers that told me they were up 20%, 30%, 35%. Most of them, many of the names that you would recognize, which I have been sworn to secrecy, told me that 2021 was their best year ever, and then 2022 became their best year ever. Now the growth has started to moderate. But certainly Alec Bradley... A success story, an overnight success story, an overnight success story basically of about uh, 26 years. It doesn't just happen overnight. I love when people say, oh, they're an overnight success story. I said, right, exactly, 25 years of overnights. Now, there are several other manufacturers that I think may, I'm sure, have been approached and may be in play. I'll get to those in just a little bit. But Niels Fredrickson. Scandinavian Tobacco Group's CEO said, the acquisition of the Alec Bradley cigar business is another important step toward our ambition of becoming the undisputed and sustainable global leader in cigars. Through this bolt-on acquisition, we will expand our portfolio of highly regarded premium cigars in the United States and international markets, delivering material value to our shareholders. Remember that important word, to our shareholders. We will also leverage the Alec Bradley brand portfolio to deliver increased excitement to the handmade cigar category through product innovation and brand activations, benefiting both the cigar enthusiasts and our trade partners. Now, that last line, that they're going to leverage the Alec Bradley brand brand portfolio to deliver increased excitement to the handmade cigar category. Alec Bradley's done a damn good job of creating tremendous excitement over the last 25 plus years. I mean, you take a look at many of their their brands, their sub-brands within the Alec Bradley line, and they have done extremely well. I mean, cigar after cigar, and that is not accidental. That is because Ralph Montero, and Alan Rubin, and now uh, Alan's sons, Alec and Bradley, they have done a great job in terms of 
coming up with cigars for the marketplace that, uh, and they understand their consumer, and that is the key. They do many, many events. I mean, whether it's the one of the newer cigars, the Alec and Bradley Kintsugi, fabulous cigar, the Alec and Bradley Gatekeeper, the Magic Toast, the Black Market, one of my favorites, the Project 40. I love the Project 40 Maduro. You can't go wrong with the Prensado. Their uh, uh, Tempest line has been huge. I mean, I can go on and on and on. In fact, I remember when the Tempest, Alan Rubin, were at lunch. I can't remember how many years ago. We're at lunch in Fort Lauderdale at a sports bar eating outside, and he hands me a cigar. He said, smoke this. I had no idea what it was, and I said, this is fabulous. you got to come out with this. He said, well, we're going to. Well, it only took them about four years until they came out with it, but that was the Alec Bradley Tempest. And when you look at the Prensado and the Lost Out, another one, they're Alec Bradley Max, another hidden gem. Scandinavian Tobacco Group and General Cigar is acquiring a tremendous portfolio of cigars, as evidenced by the fact they generated $25 million in revenue in 2021. You have to remember one thing. There's only primarily one publicly traded cigar uh, cigar company in the world, and that is Scandinavian Tobacco. It actually trades on the NASDAQ in uh, Sweden. Now, at one time, you had General Cigar, you had Consolidated Cigar, Imperial Tobacco. They were all publicly traded companies. Imperial sold off their Altatus group. You had General Cigar being acquired by Swedish Match, then Scandinavian Tobacco. So there's only one publicly traded company specializing primarily in cigars. Every public company works on a quarterly time frame. You have to, on a quarterly basis, show increased revenue, increased earnings, new products, excitement. You are basically living on a three-month horizon. Many of the other private companies, they're not. They don't have that pressure. And part of the pressure is you have to, as a public company, you have to always be in acquisition mode, whether it's organically or whether it is outside acquisitions. Now, STG was in the running for numerous other companies along the last number of years, but the word around town was that they underbid. They were cheap. They didn't go maximum, you know, maximum uh, dollar for many of these companies. But they have had some very good acquisitions. If you look, January 2018, I think they got Thompson Cigar to steal at $62.5 million. At one time, I think Thompson Cigar could have easily fetched 200 to $250 million. In January of 2020, they bought Agio primarily for the European machine-made cigars, but Agio had a, an operation here uh, that made some premium cigars, and they were doing very well. Balmoral, great cigars that they relaunched. And then June 2022, they bought Room 101, a smaller acquisition. And now here we are, February 2023, and they acquire Alec Bradley Cigars for a shade under $73 million. Now, the announcement was made uh, a couple of days ago. I think uh, Wednesday. What is interesting is that the company said, STG, the deal is expected to close on February 28th. This coming Tuesday, which means that this deal was obviously in the works for a significant amount of time. Deals like this don't happen over a week or two weeks. They happen over months. Usually there's an initial 
initial call. You guys interested? Maybe we should get together for a drink. Let's uh, let's maybe get together for dinner. Let's talk about how we can possibly work on an acquisition, something beneficial for you. The question is, now, with the acquisition, is Allen going to stay around? I would assume he would for a short period of time, as well as his sons, but who knows? But, it, you know, take away 20% after taxes. Let's just call it $14 million. $58 million in your pockets, a pretty good payday. So you don't have to do anything. It's called FUM, FU money. But when you take a look at how a deal like this comes about, it's rarely over a week or two weeks. It's usually over months. They may have approached Allen, who knows, maybe last fall, maybe last August, whenever, maybe a year ago. You never know. Sometimes these talks take years where you throw out something. Would you be interested? Yeah, maybe, but not now. But if I am, I'll let you know. So clearly it took months because you're talking just to get contracts done. On a, on a merger or, or an acquisition of this size, you're talking at least a month going back and forth with attorneys. So clearly this deal has been in the works for months. But it's closing on Tuesday. So Alec Bradley will cease to be an independent company. It will be acquired by STG. No word on what they will do with the current Alec Bradley employees. I think they have about 30 employees, including their uh, sales team. So no word on what General do, whether they put it incorporated under their General Cigar Company brand or their Ford Cigar Company uh, flag. Still, many questions remain. Now, here are some questions to ponder. We have seen some acquisitions. Certainly, this is the largest in many years. But there are a number of other companies that what I call mid-majors. These aren't boutique cigar manufacturers anymore. They are selling 10-plus million cigars, 10 to maybe 25, 30 million cigars. I would put in that category Rocky Patel. I would put Perdomo, Gurkha, Padron. On a lesser scale, I'd probably put in, in terms of overall numbers, La Flor Dominicana and my father's cigars. STG has already said they're not done with acquisitions. They are still on the hunt for acquisitions. And the question is now, do do the new Chinese owners of Imperial, or correction, of Altadas, very, very phantom group. Nobody seems to know who owns them. But word is they're from China. Chinese money behind them, or Macau money, all Chinese. Do they go out and say, well, let's, let's uh, make some acquisitions here in the U.S. Let's bolster up our Altadas, uh, bring them some other brands. Who knows? Now, I know Padron has been approached many times, and their attitude has always been, look, we've got our families into it. We're not into it just to sell and get a quick buck. And really, Padron doesn't need to sell. No matter what happens in the cigar industry, Padron is so unique. They don't have a sales staff. There are no other cigar manufacturers of their size and larger that don't have a national sales team. But because their cigars are so popular, the orders come flying in. It's very unique. They make great cigars. They're not going away. They don't need to sell. I remember numerous times... Jose O. Padron and George telling me we get approached all the time. It's not about the money. And it really isn't. Most people say, well, it's not the money. They're lying. But I can tell you with the Padrones, that's not to say they wouldn't sell down the road. Never say never. However, I can tell you that they've had big offers come their way. They're a family company and they want to keep it that way. Rocky Patel, I'm sure they've had offers come their way. Who knows? Also a family company. But is there a time where... 
Rocky says, you know, that's a huge offer. Maybe I will look at that. You never know. Same thing with Perdomo, although Nick's got his uh, son and daughter that are, that are certainly in the business, that are in the company, so you don't know. I say You never say never, because when somebody dangles FUM to you, FU money, huge money, $50 million, $70 million, $80 million, $100 million, you have to seriously think about it, and you have to look at long-term. Can I compete in this business long-term? Are there going to be structural changes? Are there going to be governmental restrictions? Am I funded enough to be able to battle the FDA? All these items come into play. So you never say never. But this could possibly be the start of a domino and cascading effect. This uh, acquisition of Alec Bradley by Scandinavian Tobacco Group for $72.5 million. Do I think they may cut some of their brands? Possibly. Possibly not. But you have to remember one thing, why this acquisition makes a lot of sense for Scandinavian tobacco. Alec Bradley does not own any factories. Their cigars are made by the by Nestor Placencia, the Placencia family, part of which is owned by Scandinavian tobacco. Some of their cigars are made in the Dominican, and also some of their cigars are made in Nicaragua. So they have no factories, but much of their production could be shifted from other factories, say the Dominican Republic or Nicaragua. The production could be shifted to Scandinavian Tobacco Group's general cigar factories in those countries. Additionally, Scandinavian Tobacco Group owns Cigars International and Thompson Cigar. So they know exactly how many cigars that they represent, how much they are selling. And they can easily push more cigars and create more brands. So from a synergistic point of view, this will be what we call in, the, in, in finance terms an accretive deal, meaning it'll start to earn them revenue despite the fact that they will be taking some debt on. The company said, STG said it will be a combination of cash and debt to fund the acquisition. But it will most likely be highly accretive. Why? Because they can move the production to their own factories. Not immediately, but in the long run. They know they can push more of their cigars, the Alec Bradley brand, through Cigars International and through Thompson Cigars and Cigar.com. So there are all sorts of accretive effects. They're not going to most likely, I don't, I don't believe they will retain the Fort Lauderdale headquarters. Who knows how many employees they retain? Would they be smart to retain some of the salespeople and uh, some of their other people? Absolutely. That's what made the company successful. But you don't know. But in any event, this could have a cascade effect. So there's always rumblings in the world of cigars. Is it good for you as a cigar connoisseur? Yes and no. Is it good to have concentration of all brands in one, two, or three companies? No. Does it stifle innovation? Yes. Is it good to have boutique entrepreneurial type folks in the cigar industry? Absolutely. Look at the Rocky Patels. Look at the Nick Perdomos. Look at Kaizad Hensodia from Gurkha. Look at um, uh, 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 the Padrones. They all started very small. Even Alec Bradley. Alan Rubin started small. I remember one of his first booths, I mean, at, at one of the cigar conventions. But what happens is they start small and they come up with unique products, unique blends that become popular and they start to skyrocket. So every cigar manufacturer I name, Rocky Patel wasn't in the cigar business 30 years ago. 
Gurkha wasn't in the cigar business. Well, maybe they were th- around 30 years. Padron's been in it since 1964. Nick Perdomo, I remember when he started. I met Nick first time, 1995. His entire inventory, when he came up to do a dinner with, with uh, uh, Bennington Tobacco, and I was invited, his entire inventory consisted of what he had in his humidor with him that night was maybe 50 cigars. They didn't exist before 30 years ago. But now they're major players in the cigar industry. Will there be people starting cigar brands over the next few years, maybe the last year or two they've started, that will skyrocket 5, 10, 15 years down the road? I would bet they would. And sometimes the larger that the the manufacturers get with acquisitions, that does create a hole where retailers say, you know, I want more boutique cigars. I don't want everything from Altadas or from General. I want some other boutique brands in my humidor. So we'll keep an eye on it. But for you as a consumer right now, shouldn't affect you. I think many of those brands should still be around, your favorite brands. And uh, could there be some changes? Yes, but we will keep an absolute eye on that. But congratulations to uh, Alan Rubin. I've known Alan for a long time and uh, worked hard, and it's not easy because I've been with Alan when he had inventory problems. They couldn't get enough inventory. They had quality problems, and he had to spend weeks down at the factory. It's not easy. Everyone looks at the final number and says, oh, $72.5 million, big payday, and it is. But there's a lot of work that goes in over 25, 28, 30 years, a lot of aggravation, a lot of ups and downs. A lot of, uh, I remember, his, the first cigars that he launched were very different than the cigars he has now. That's just evolution. So congratulations to uh, Alan Rubin and uh, Ralph Montero, an integral part of the Alec Bradley operation, one of the finest gentlemen uh, and people in the cigar industry, extremely knowledgeable. Ralph, really invaluable part of the Alec Bradley success story. The People's Republic of California are never happy. They're never happy unless they are interfering with our happiness, with our right to enjoy a fine cigar. They're not happy just saying, you know, you want to enjoy your cigar in peace? Fine. We just don't want to have you smoke inside a building or in a restaurant. But aside from that, enjoy yourself. Nope, not good enough. California was the first state to ban indoor smoking. Ban smoking in restaurants. And then they came after outdoor cigar smoking areas that restaurants had invested thousands to hundreds of thousands of dollars in. Then they went after people smoking a cigar on public sidewalks, then on the beaches, then on golf courses. Well, now we have a a doozy. This is absolutely, this could be transformational. And I told you back in December, excuse me, back in December, that New Zealand enacted a law to prevent people born on or after January 1st, 2009 from ever purchasing tobacco products. You live in New Zealand. You are born today. 18 years from now or 21 years, whatever the legal age for tobacco, you are not allowed to purchase a cigar. Now, can you smoke a cigar? Yes. Can somebody hand you one? Yes. But a tobacconist, a cigar retailer, 
and they'll be out of business down the road. They cannot sell you a cigar. It is what I call generational prohibition. Now, I have stated to you all along, the enemies of pleasure, they are never happy with just one smoking restriction or smoking ban. They are like cockroaches. You let one cockroach into your house, and the next thing you know, you'll have five. Once you have five, you'll have 20. Once you have 20, you'll have 100. Once you have 100, you'll have 300. Once they get their foot in the door, they break down the door. That is why you must kill cockroaches, get an exterminator, especially if you live in warm climates here in Florida. I've got my pest control guy that comes every other month every eight weeks, and he sprays outside, sprays inside, lays these little uh, traps where they can, where cockroaches can come, and I can tell you that I have not seen a cockroach in my house, because my guy's the best, one of the best, I've had many good ones, for I don't know how long, it's got to be a couple of years. We essentially create a barrier from them coming in, and if they do come in, they get whacked pretty quick. Same thing with the enemies of pleasure, the pleasure police. You let them in the door, they will never be happy. Why do you think the NRA and Second Amendment advocates are so hell-bent on maintaining the status quo that there should be no additional legal impediments to purchasing a firearm? Because they see what happened in California. You let anti-Second Amendment enemies in the door. They'll start with one law, then a second law, then a third law. The next thing you know, your right to own a firearm to protect yourself or hunt will be gone. And in California now, there is a proposed bill from Assemblymember Damon Connolly, of course, a dipshit Democrat from San Rafael, People's Republic of California. Bill that would create a generational tobacco sales ban in the state, prohibiting retailers in California from selling tobacco products to anyone born after January 1st, 2007. In New Zealand, it's January 1st, 2009. California takes it a step in the wrong direction. The bill is entitled... Assembly Bill 935, it would ban the sales of all tobacco products in the People's Republic of California to anyone born on or after January 1st, 2007. It would not, however, ban sales of cigars or tobacco to anyone who is currently able to purchase tobacco products in California. So because you've got to be at least 21 years old to purchase tobacco in California, You would need to be born in either 2002 or earlier. Now, of course, they're not going to target cigar connoisseurs. Somebody that hands you, if you are handed a cigar by a friend in the People's Republic of California, and you are of age, they're not going to go after you. However, they are going to go after... Anyone, whether it's an individual that sells a cigar or a business that sells cigars who sold tobacco, sold a product to anyone born 
in or after 2007. First offense would be four to $600. The number goes up over a five-year period. Fifth violation would be $6,000. This is nothing more than demonizing an adult product that is consumed by adults, not children, in moderation. The average premium cigar connoisseur smokes maybe one cigar a week. I'd say even less, probably maybe five, six cigars a month. But let's say it is one a week. Everything in moderation. If they're not happy saying, you can't smoke your cigars in buildings, you can't smoke your cigars on sidewalks, you can't smoke your cigars on golf courses, you can't smoke your cigar on the beach. And they use the litter excuse. Oh, it's because of littering. We know that's bullshit. This is all about a political agenda. They don't like that you enjoy a product. Now, here's what people that don't even smoke cigars or tobacco must be aware of. Do you think for a moment that these pleasure Nazis, these pleasure police, these enemies of cigars, enemies of pleasure, do you think they will stop simply at cigars and tobacco? Of course not. When they're done generationally prohibiting cigars... I'll tell you what the next item they're going for. Meat. They will come after your steak. Because as we all know, according to them, meat and cattle contributes to climate change. We have an existential threat. So therefore, you can eat meat now, but if you were born before 2007, January 2007, you will not be able to legally purchase meat. Can you imagine going to the supermarket and the cashier saying... I see you have two steaks, four hamburgers, and uh, chicken. I'm going to need to see your ID. Oh, I'm so- you were born after January 1, 2007? I'm sorry, we can't sell that to you. If you think that's far-fetched, would you ever think that they would generationally prohibit cigars? You'd say, come on. All right, maybe raise the age to 21, but they never just prohibit it. Can't, you can't have prohibition. It doesn't work. They are doing that. And mark my words, they will do it for meat, they will do it for soda, they will do it for any product they deem not socially acceptable. You're going to Super Bowl, or Super Bowl party. You want to bring a bucket of 50 wings, chicken wings. You go into the pizza place, and you say, I'm here to pick up my wings. And they look at you and say, you look a little young. Hmm. Yeah, you're, you're only 17. I need to see your ID. Ooh, sorry. 17. We can't, yep, we're prohibited from selling chicken wings and meat products to anyone unless they were born prior to January 1st, 2007. Now, that sounds far-fetched. It sounds totally outrageous. But as crazy as that sounds... You can be damn sure the enemies of pleasure are already dreaming it and thinking about it. And the climate change nutcases, the wackadoodles, you can be sure they're saying, well, if it works for cigars and tobacco, why don't we do it for chicken wings? Why don't we do it for beef, for steak, for burgers? And when they're done with that, 
They'll go on to potato chips, the potato chip and snack food aisle. You want to buy some potato chips for a party that you're throwing? I'm sorry, I need to see your ID. Those Fritos and those Doritos? I'm sorry, you were born before or after January 1, 2007. We can't sell those to you because we're here to protect you. We are here to improve your life. Because you are not smart enough to make your own decision. These are the same rat bastards. While saying that you are unable to purchase cigars if you were born after January 1, 2007. So even when you hit 18 and 21, you will never be legally allowed in California if this bill passes. But yet... They want to lower the voting age from 18 to 16, and in some cases, they're talking about 14. Now, if you're not smart enough to make your own decision at 18 or 21 to smoke a cigar, you tell me what is their rationale for saying you are smart enough to vote at 16 or at 14. It's nothing more than blatant hypocrisy. They want the ability to control every aspect of your life. There is a reason why California is a giant shithole state. They're going to be $22 billion in the hole for their budget this year. $22 billion and counting. And it could go another 8 to 10, they said. So it could be $30 billion. There's a reason people with a brain are flocking out of the state, moving to Nevada, Texas, Florida, Tennessee, all states with no income tax, all states with Republican governors, all states that basically say, you live your life. We don't want to overly regulate your life. It is amazing how such a naturally beautiful state like California can be so screwed up by the absolute wackos. I'm convinced every nutcase in America, liberal whack job nutcase from the country in this country, moved to California. I say give California back to Mexico. You guys want it, Mexico? You think we stole it? It's yours. Have at it. You have all the problems. Great. Now we'll get a Republican president because we don't have to worry about all the Dem libs in the People's Republic of California voting Dem and Socialist and Communist. We better be careful in this country. We're already seeing right now the brainless, a brain-dead Biden administration. They're trying to interfere and intrude on every aspect of your life. There comes a time when people have to revolt and say, no more. Enough is enough. Our founding forefathers did it during the Revolutionary War when they declared our independence in 1776. We are at a precipice of that happening today. People say, oh, we almost had an insurrection on January 6th, 2021. Bullshit. There was no uh, uh, insurrection. How many insurrections do you know with no weapons? Please. And now, uh, what is it, 40,000 hours or 14,000 hours of video has been released to Tucker Carlson, and now it's portraying a totally different picture than the dipshit Democrats wanted to portray. But enough is enough. I want to enjoy a cigar. I want to enjoy a steak. I don't want to be told what to do. I am not five years old. These Democrats think they're smart. Democrats are the dumbest people on the planet. 
And it, as evidenced by that, the, the perfect exhibit A, Assem- California Assemblymember Damon Conley's proposal to create a generational tobacco sales ban. And mark my words, I know we have many people that do not smoke cigars that listen to this show. We welcome everyone. Just remember one thing. If you enjoy soda, you enjoy fruit drinks, sugar-flavored fruit drinks, you enjoy your Hostess Ho-Hos, your Twinkies, you enjoy your Lay's potato chips, your Doritos, your Fritos, you enjoy chicken wings, you enjoy a steak, if you don't think the enemies of pleasure are going to come after you if they are successful in California with this generational tobacco ban, you better wake up. This will start spreading across the country, and we're already seeing a concerted effort to go after and and demonize cattle and beef. Don't ever stand in the way of my brisket, my ribs, my New York strip, my tomahawk chop, or any other cut of beef. Do not be forewarned. So if you do not smoke cigars, join this fight. Because they are coming after you when they are done with cigar connoisseurs. And I'll show you how stupid, how incredibly asinine it has gotten. And see this People's Republic of California... A week ago, the Encinas City Council unanimously passed, unanimously, a proposed ordinance that will expand the city's existing smoking ban to prohibit smoking cigarettes, cigars, pipes on city sidewalks and wait for it, drumroll please, in parked cars. You are in your car. You are parked. You are bothering no one. You are smoking a cigar. That would be against the law in the Encinitas, uh, California jurisdiction. It's already illegal to smoke cigars or anything for that matter in city parks, trails, beaches, and uh, outdoor seating areas of restaurants. But the supporters of this additional ban claim that It would not only improve air quality and public health, but reduce litter on streets and sidewalks. They always resort to litter and litter on the sidewalks, on the beaches, cigarette butts, cigar butts. It's nonsense. I've gone to loads of beaches. I've seen people smoking their cigarettes. People smoking cigars. I have never seen one put their cigarette out or let their cigar go out and just dump it on the beach. I've never seen that. But they use that as an excuse. It's the same thing as climate change. Oh, all these scientists say that we're in, we, we, we've got global warming. They always quote these, these asinine figures without backup. But yet when you say something long enough, something that's, that's a lie long enough, Goebbels, the, uh, the, the uh, minister of propaganda for the Nazis, for the Third Reich, for Adolf Hitler... Great, it had a great statement. Not great, but it's a true statement. You tell a lie often enough, people believe it to be the truth. We're seeing with the Democrats. Oh, our democracy is in jeopardy. Our democracy is in danger. Our democracy is hanging by a thread. Because people voted for Republicans in a show of democracy at the ballot box? Please. They will use anything to advance their cause. Tell the lie often enough, and people will believe it. Because as we know, 
over 50% of the country and the world suffers from SSS, Seriously Stupid Syndrome. Not us, not you and I, because we're alphas. We're educated. We are up to date on current events. We have common sense. We can think for ourselves. Not the SSS, the Seriously Stupid Syndrome sufferers in this country. It is just outrageous to me that you want to smoke a cigar in your parked car. It's illegal. What are they going to do? I can see a cop coming up. Excuse me, sir. Step out of the car. I noticed that you were smoking a cigar in your private vehicle. Sir, you're under arrest for smoking while parked. We're going to take you in. I mean, can you imagine this? Can you imagine? I think cops would look and say, you want me to do what? Ticket someone for smoking in their car? But here's what's amazing. The ban on smoking does not extend to cars that are being actively driven. So if you're driving a car down the street at half a mile an hour, it's legal. But if your car is parked, you pull over to make a call while your cigar is lit, that's technically illegal. But yet, I'll guarantee you they'll make an exception for pot, for cannabis, for marijuana. Why? Because marijuana, oh, we can't touch that. That's fine. Oh, that's, that's, not, that's for medicinal purposes. But a cigar? No, 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 no. We can't do that. I've talked to people in the shithole city of New York who have said that the, the, the aroma of pot is everywhere. Try smoking a cigar? Oh, forget it. You're not allowed. But want to smoke marijuana? Go ahead. Be my guest. Unbelievable. Park car. This is the, just how asinine this country has become. We have way too many laws, way too many stupid laws, and way too many stupid politicians that are in positions of power. Perfect example, look at uh, Pete Buttigieg, or as I call him, Howdy Doody. Look at a, go, go, go do a search for Howdy Doody, Buffalo Bob Smith and Howdy Doody. He looks like Howdy Doody. Talk about a lightweight. Uh, I can't talk right now because I'm, I'm chest feeding my new little twins. I, I'm on paternity leave. Oh, the air, air, air traffic control system's going to shit, going to hell. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm overseas on a vacation. I can't be bothered. Oh, East Palestine, Illinois. Uh, look, I, I'd like to go help, but my, my, my husband Chaston and I are on a date. It's our personal time. We can't do that right now. These are the idiots. Seriously, these are the absolute dumb schmutzes, the schmucks that are in positions of power. Any wonder why this country has gone to shit since Biden has taken over? Any wonder why you look at these these blue states, why they're all broke? If they were a business or a family, they'd be bankrupt? Spend time on fixing your financial uh, uh, house instead of uh, ridiculous laws on trying to ban cigars generationally and then banning the ability to smoke a cigar while parked in Encinitas, California. One of the most beautiful, sensual, stunning women in world history, Hollywood legend Raquel Welch, has passed away. Passed away February 15th at the age of 82. Now, to me, up until the very, the last time I probably saw her, I think she was maybe, it was right before the pandemic, so it's probably when she was 78, 79, she still looked hot. Still had the curvy hourglass figure, great, just beautiful face. 
She was of Bolivian descent, so she gets that from her father. Clearly gets that exotic look. But interesting story with Raquel Welch, because she was initially her born name is Joe Raquel Tejada. Father was Bolivian. She was born in Chicago. Family moved to to, uh, Southern California. And then she went to San Diego State University. She was married four times. But just an absolute bombshell in her career, which started in the 1960s. She really catapulted to fame with uh, two movies, Fantastic Voyage and One Million Years B.C. Really a legendary bombshell actress, sex symbol, but smart. Just everything you would want in a hot dame to add to your hair. She was always, she and Sophia Loren, no matter their age, honorary members of my harem since day one. Her career spanned over 50 years. She starred in over 30 films, 50 television series and appearances. She was a Golden Globe uh, winner, business person as well. But it's interesting, some of the stars that work with her had some interesting uh, comments, which I think really captured what Raquel Welch really was all about. Reese Witherspoon, who uh, was the co-star along with Raquel Welch in Legally Blonde, said, so sad to hear about Raquel Welch's passing. I loved working with her on Legally Blonde. She was elegant, professional, and glamorous beyond belief. Simply stunning. May all her angels carry her home, sending love to her family and her many fans. I mean, to me, I think that 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 really, that that captures it all. She truly was elegant, glamorous. Every actor said the same thing, professional. I mean, you never heard about her in the news in a negative fashion. And when she, she made appearances, public appearances, she always looked the part. She was elegant, just head to toe. Now, there's something that I should come clean about and be honest with. And I'm sure Raquel would not mind. Raquel and I slept together thousands of times. Well, in my mind at least. I don't know of any kid that was born in the maybe mid-60s, late-60s, when you saw Raquel, Raquel Welch, when you were hitting, you know, puberty in the early to mid-70s, late-70s, 80s, you looked at Raquel Welch and you said, that's what I want. I mean, that's what I got to have. Every kid I know fantasized about Raquel Welch and Farrah Fawcett. No doubt about it. But Raquel Welch, to me, just had it all. Farrah Fawcett was, was, was cute, attractive, sexy. But Raquel Welch was at a different level. I don't think you see that in Hollywood today. Stunning, effervescent, vivacious, always well-dressed, classy, never did a nude. She was asked numerous times to do nudes in movies, a nude scene. She would not do it. Little hidden-known fact about the great Raquel Welch. She was on the Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson. I actually enjoyed that show. Letterman was okay. But to me, Craig Ferguson, initially he didn't rub on. It took some time with his Scottish accent. But I'll tell you, once I started uh, uh, watching him, he was actually funny. And I would DVR all his shows. And they really were great. She was on, Raquel Welch was on with Craig Ferguson. 
And uh, they started talking about what her type of preferred man is or would be. Steve, is that what you look for in a man, a kind of Fabio type, big muscly kind oh, of gosh, thing? Oh gosh, no, I don't think so. Really? No, I mean, I really, the muscle ought to be up here in the brain category. Right, right. <laughs> but, but by the same token, if, if he has a six pack and a nice ass, that, that's okay too. Right, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, Fabio slash Arthur Miller is basically no, what you're looking for. No, 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 actually, no offense to Fabio, but I really, he's not really my cup of tea. Not, not, not for the real thing. Right. Well, what, what is your cup of tea for the real thing? <laughs> well, you know, I haven't made up my mind yet. I've been married four times, and I still haven't figured out what it is that I really want. Really? You've been married four times? I know. Isn't it outrageous? It's fantastic. <laughs> it is. I've been married twice. I felt so bad about it. I feel so much better now. <laughs> I feel, I feel it's a terrible failure. I can't figure out what, what it is that I'm not doing right or what it is I don't get. Do, do you know what I mean? I, I, I feel like there's something that I, I should be getting. and I and feel there's something you should be getting. <laughs> Boom. One of the reasons I love Craig Ferguson, it was just so different than watching Leno or uh, uh, Letterman, just totally on a different level. But Raquel Welch, great sense of humor, always carried herself so uh, elegantly she will be missed and I will always have the memories the thousands of times in my dreams that Raquel Welch and I slept together to the elegant sensual absolutely stunning Hollywood legend Raquel Welch rest in peace you shall be missed Gurkha has long been the king when it comes to opulent, grandly made cigars. And the new Gurkha Pure Evil more than lives up to that legacy. Gurkha originally launched the Pure Evil 15 years ago as a limited edition cigar. They went back to their blend vault. They tweaked the blend to add more flavor, more complexity. The result is a Gurkha Pure Evil that is loaded with flavor, full body, Full notes of richness. Habano wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, Nicaraguan filler. Don't let the name fool you. The Gurkha Pure Evil is pure cigar pleasure. Gurkha, the world's finest cigars. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. Unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy. It's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. Well, I'm going to, in microphone position number two, I am going to leave a cigar, the same cigar that I will be enjoying for litation. I have placed it in an ashtray right beneath microphone number two in memory of the lovely bodacious, sensual Raquel Welch. And I've selected a cigar that I think Raquel would love. She'd love the aroma. She would love to watch me and any alpha enjoying a cigar in her midst. And I think she probably appreciated a cigar connoisseur. She could, you could tell, she loved the type of man that was strong, alpha, in charge, smart, as she said on the Craig First. Fabio, forget it. No Fabio for you. 
However, us, absolutely. And when I say us, I mean alphas. Alphas with exquisite taste. And the cigar that I've chosen, the Alvo Heritage. I uh, had a box in my humidor. And the last Alvo Heritage I had was about six, eight months ago. And I was in the mood for one on a, uh, actually last Sunday. Beautiful day here in the Cigar City, sitting outside, watching the morning shows. And I had uh, my freshly brewed espresso. And I said, I'm going to have an Alvo Heritage. Nice medium to full flavored cigar, not overpowering on a scale of 1 to 10 in strength. It's in, I think, the 7 to 9 category. Very, very balanced cigar. Avo Uvesian, may he rest in peace. Works side by side with cigar making legend Hendrik Hanke Kellner. And they used the finest Ecuadorian sun-grown wrappers, nice dark wrappers. They combined it with a nice robust mixture of Dominican fillers and a Dominican binder, and the result, really a cigar that delivers loads of flavor with some creaminess, nice almost cocoa espresso with subtle spices. It is a beautiful cigar. It comes in four sizes, three regular sizes and one limited size. A Robusto, which is a 5x50, a Toro, six inches in length with a 50 ring gauge or 50 64 7 inch in diameter and their special Toro Gordo 6x60. However, they also have their Avo Heritage Special Toro. It's a short, squatty Toro, four and a half, uh, uh, correction, six inches in length with a 60 ring gauge. So they call it their Avo Heritage Special Toro, even. You know, even though it does come in a uh, also a Gordo. So it's got four sizes, essentially. Three plus this special. And you can't go wrong with it. You're talking about a big cigar, six inches in length, 60 ring gauge. Talking about probably in the $12 category. I think the whole line is in the $10 to $12, $13 category. Beautiful looking cigars. I've just pulled one out here. Magnificent. And I can just see Avo handing one to me saying, Dave... I want you to smoke this cigar. You're going to love it. Best one ever. And I'm going to say, Avo, you tell that to me every year. I was bullshitting you. This is the best ever. So I can see Avo with his white cream suit and his hat. Talk about someone that I think the cigar industry miss. I miss him personally because I had the privilege of getting to know Avo Uvesian uh, towards the uh, latter years of his life. He lived in Orlando. So I would drive over. We would go to this great Lebanese restaurant called Cedars and... We would uh, eat and then sit outside and have a cigar. And next thing you know, like four hours had passed just talking with the great stories. One of the greats. And uh, if you never had a chance to meet Avo, everything you've heard about him that I've said, other people have said, 100% true. He was a gem. So it is always a thrill. Whatever I smoke an Avo cigar, it's Avo Heritage, I always think of Avo. And Hanky Kellner because he and Hanky collaborated for many, many years over, I think, 30, 35 years working on some great blends. Now, as I said, the uh, Avo Heritage, you're looking anywhere between $10 to $13 suggested retail, made in the Dominican Republic. It is an absolute beauty. I can't wait to get my chompers on this puppy. Cigar-altering and highly sharpened leaf-exposing device. Self-sharpening. Double-edge. Stainless steel guillotine at the ready. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. Well, I will tell you that the Cigar Dave 5-star 
which has a pentagon shape, translucent tank, nice compact, but you can still get plenty of butane, built-in cigar piercer or bullet cut. This is one of my favorites. It just is reliable. Five uh, jet flames for butane. Can't go wrong. And I'll tell you, to light a 60 ring gauge cigar, you really need to have more than one butane flame flying out. I got five. That'll make the lightation process expedient. Cigar, cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. Well, I'd say a perfect cut, but it's not. I need to take it one more time because I did not get enough of the filler leaves. I took it just above the shoulder, but a little too much. Now I got it. That happens every so often. Not a problem. It's better to take too little than take too much. If you take too much, you can't go back. You take too little, you can always make a quick adjustment. No problem. So I've got this Avo Heritage, the uh, beautiful special Toro. They're Gordo. So let me toast the foot of this beauty. And as I do so, I will tell you that Tommy Diadio, Tommy D, our resident sommelier, senior executive VP of Spirits Procurement at the three Corona Cigar Store and Lounges in Orlando and the Corona Cigar Store and Lounge in Tampa, soon to be in Sarasota as well. We have been enjoying port, and we've got another great port selection in just a moment, but let me puff and rotate. Mmm. Mm-hmm. Great draw. Mm. Nice cocoa note. Some pepper spice. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I blow out. Let me blow on the foot of the cigar. Mm. Perfect, even amber glow. Mm. Now, I've got just the perfect spirit to accompany this Avo Heritage. Scotch. Bourbon, beer. This is the Bold Alpha Weekly Spirits Tasting on the Cigar Dave Show. Last week during our libations segment, I spoke very highly of Port, one of the most overlooked spirits in my estimation, and I love it. Just great for after dinner with a cigar in a snifter. Yes, you can have cognac, but Port, do not overlook that. And we sampled last week the Taylor Flatgate 20 vintage tawny port and we decided tommy and i decided that we would sample the grams 20 year old vintage tawny port so tommy we have it in front of us Mm -hmm. let's talk about grams so grams 20 is uh william grand who who, uh basically started in glasgow in 1784 with a trading company with textile and dry goods in 1820 him and his son started uh, accepting port as payment. And that's literally how he started in the industry. Interesting. And they've been around since, what did you say? 1820. 1820. 1820. So Tower was 1692. 1692. So we're talking about some pretty companies that have been around for a long time. So this was basically, like I said, $56 retail. Tower was 40. Yeah, the other one was 40, you said. So this one is, uh, what do we say? It's 40, uh, about 30% higher. Yeah. A little bit more than that, which is interesting. And as I look at this, Tommy, the Graham's 20-year-old Tawny Port, definitely darker. Almost has a prune prune color to it, a prune juice type uh, color to it. Definitely a darker, 
ruby. I mean, than, food juice is actually a really good definition of the color. Yeah, I mean, the when you look at a Taylor, the Taylor Fladgate, that was very light, not yeah. not viscous, very light in color. This is definitely darker. Let me take a look at the nose. Yeah, I'm definitely getting on here some fig. I'm definitely getting a fruitiness. It's not a big nose. Not a big nose at all. Not a big nose. Let's say cheers. All right, here we go. This is the Graham 20 Tawny Port. Little bit more woodiness, a little bit tangier than the Taylor Flatgate. But still very light. Very light. Very light. Not a lot of warmth, but this, very nice. This is what, you know, a cigar will bring out the flavor of it, dessert. Mm-hmm. Almost getting a tannin type of yeah. taste on the tongue. I would say between both, they're both good. But to me, the Taylor Flatgate for 40 yeah. a far better value. And if you don't like tannins, I would say go with the Taylor Flatgate. Yeah. But this is good, and you know, Tommy, I bought this from you many times. But I think I'm going to buy the Taylor Flatgate and give that one a run. It's forty dollars. Mm. Mm. Nice. I think next week we should go with Fonseca and give it a try and see what we don't have. Fonseca? No, I don't have Fonseca. No Fonseca, Tommy. No, the port people don't drink. I mean, I well, was, the Ruby. I was going to say because I mean, Fonseca. What is it? Vin, Ruby. A vintage. I have, a, I have a Taylor wait, bottle vintage. If you want to do that, I'll tell you what, Tommy. You are our master sommelier. Mm-hmm. We will give you the option for next week. But this week, the Graham 20 Tawny Port, about 56 bucks suggested retail. Very nice. But again, between the Taylor, Cladgate 20, and the Graham's 20, price difference, probably gravitate towards the Taylor Flatgate. I had the pleasure of knowing the late, great Avo Uvesian, the man behind the Avo lineup of cigars. And Avo had a great saying. He would tell me, savor every note. Well, one cigar that I can tell you, you will savor every puff, savor every note, is the Avo Heritage. It was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar. Strength, complexity, impeccable smoothness, nice notes of spice. If you are looking for a cigar that delivers full-bodied richness, impeccable smoothness, savor Every note of the spice-laden Avo heritage. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com. All right, final concluding segment of this edition of the Cigar Dave Show. Two items that we still must get to. First up, Bernard Sanders. As you know, Bernard Sanders is a big socialist. He'll always tell you the millionaires and billionaires and zillionaires, they're the problem that I'm paying their fair share. We should have communism and socialism. My wife and I went to, uh, went to Russia, went to the Soviet Union for a, for a honeymoon because we love being around commie pickle bastards. I mean, leave it to Bernard Sanders. Every time you look around, Bernard Sanders is always wailing about the millionaires and billionaires and zillionaires and never fails to mention, he does fail to mention, that he now, I think, has three homes. So good old socialist Bernard has certainly capitalized on capitalism rather nicely. And there is a case in point, perfect case in point. Bernard Sanders has just published a book, just written a book that has been released by Penguin Random House, entitled 
It's okay to be angry about capitalism. Let me do it in my Bernard Sanders and my Bernie Sanders impression. It's okay to be angry about capitalism. You got to get very angry. You, 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 you got to have sweat coming profusely from your forehead. You got to get red. Your head has to get red. You got to go gyracious with your head. You got to go crazy. You got to go after everybody that's a capitalist. And if somebody says to you, Marty, you're a capitalist because you got three houses. You've had two books before. You need to say, excuse me. Wait, let me stop you right there. Excuse me. I have worked very hard to have my three homes. Okay. I am allowed to have it. That's why initially I used to go after millionaires and billionaires, but now that I'm a billionaire, I only go after billionaires and zillionaires. Okay, so let's get that straight. I am a billionaire. It's okay for me to be a billionaire, not you, but if you're a billionaire or zillionaire, then we got a problem. Typical Bernard Sanders, typical, uh, typical politician, totally loaded with hypocrisy. And one of the interesting side notes to Bernie's new book, It's Okay to Be Angry About Capitalism, is that he is having a book tour across the country. And it's starting off in Washington, D.C. at the Anthem Theater in the district. Now, is it free to go? Now, wait a minute, Bernard's a socialist, so are the books free? Is somebody else paying for it? I mean, what does a socialist want? Everything should be free. I want free health care. I want free food. I want free travel. I want free cars. I want free transportation. I want free gas. Free, free, free. Everything should be free. However, my book, it's okay to be angry about capitalism. It's not free. You're going to have to pay $40 for my book. Okay? $40 for my book or whatever it is. $20, $40, whatever. It's not free. Is the event to go see Bernard Sanders free? It is not free. And in an ironic twist, his book entitled It's Okay to Be Angry About Capitalism, they are charging between $40 and $95 to see Bernard Sanders in person discuss his book. And as I go right now to the website, Let me see if I can find it here. Here it is. Currently, I am looking right now at the Ticketmaster website. Now, remember, Bernie went after Ticketmaster because uh, they they make profits and they're capitalists and they make an obscene profits on the artist, whatever. Well, I am looking right now on the website for Wednesday, March 1st, 8 p.m., the Bernie Sanders event where he talks about it's okay to be angry about capitalism. If you would like a ticket, there is not one less than $75 in the house. Not one. They're between $75 and $95. And I'm looking at some, the thing is primarily sold out. And I'm looking even at the worst seats, and they're $75. So Mr. Bernard Sanders, Mr. I am a socialist, that people are evil for making money, all the nonsense that he spews is singing a little bit different tune right about now. And what is interesting is that he was on Face the Nation with moderator Margaret Brennan this past Sunday, and she grilled him about it. Take a listen. But I have to ask you, you're going on tour to promote this book, It's Okay to Be Angry About Capitalism, and you're here talking about it. I understand we're not the bad guys you're you're describing in the book when it comes to the media, but tickets for your tour apparently are selling for $95 on Ticketmaster, which is 
accused of anti-competitive behavior. You know that. Some of your Democrats are criticizing them. Aren't you benefiting yourself no, from this I, system first that you're all, trying to dismantle? First of all, those decisions are made totally by the publisher and the bookseller. I think there's one case where in one place here in Washington, po uh, politics and pros and independent books are charging some tickets. Most of them, I think, are $40, $50, and you get a book as well. So if you want to come, you're going to have to pay 40 bucks. I'll throw in the book for free. And we're doing a number of free uh, events, but I don't make a nickel out of these things at all. But you're okay doing business with Ticketmaster? No, not particularly, but that's, again, I have nothing to do with that. That is, if you wrote a book, it'd probably be the same process. Mm -hmm. So you have to operate within the system. I do. Is what right. I write a book, a major publisher, et cetera, et cetera. Isn't it amazing? Bernie Sanders... Mr. Every, capitalists are evil, and if you make millions and billions, you're all evil. You're not paying your fair share. Everything should be free. Isn't it amazing how he's singing a different tune with Margaret Brennan, stating that it's a bookstore and some but most are free? Bullshit. He's blatantly lying. He knows that he's having this major event on March 1st at 8 p.m. at the Anthem Theater in D.C., and tickets are 75 to $95. Who's getting that money? Do you think the publisher is getting that money solely? No chance. Bernie's getting some of that money. So isn't it amazing? If he's so really interested in the downtrodden and people that can't afford 75 to $95, why wouldn't he, number one, give away his book for free? And number two, allow anybody that wants to come in and listen to him come in for free. Oh, no, 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 no. He's charging 75 to $95 per ticket. And then to blame it on the on the bookseller, or on, on Random House, Penguin Random House, oh, that's the book publisher. I have nothing to do with it. Really, I know plenty of authors that have sway with their publishers to say, listen, I want to do some events, and I don't want to charge, and I don't want to do this, and I don't want to do it on Ticketmaster. Let's do it on Eventbrite or somewhere else. Nope. They're doing it on the very companies that he castigates on a regular basis. Bernie Sanders was paid a $170,000 advance to write, it's okay to be angry about capitalism. Translated, that's essentially a guarantee. Because in most cases, the author will negotiate the biggest advance possible. Why? Because if the book doesn't sell, or the book sells mediocre, at least you get your advance. That's why some people can command... 5 million, 10 million. I mean, you look at uh, the Obamas. Their books, I don't believe their books ever made the kind of money to recoup the advance. But they get a huge advance, and that's how it works. And that's also how it works in politics, where you have to remember, most of the book publishers, media, they're liberal. So how do they reward their liberal politician friends? By giving them big book deals. By the CEO of Netflix, a Dem liberal, by giving the Obamas a big $75 million production deal. Spotify, let's give the Obamas a $25 million production deal for podcasts, which Spotify, by the way, didn't renew. Why? Because they weren't making a dime on it. But again, that's how they transfer wealth to the Clintons, to the Obamas, to the Bushes, to people they actually like. They always take care of their own. So Bernie Sanders is being blatantly disingenuous to blatantly a liar when he says that I have nothing to do with it. That's the book publisher. It's part of the system. Really, Mr. Uh, Mr. Socialist that always rails against the current system, 
Why didn't you sit there and say, you know what, as part of my book, it's okay to be an angry, angry about capitalism. I told the book publisher, this particular book, we're not going to charge for any appearances. And I told them I want to put a profit cap on it and that I would, instead of getting a big guarantee of $170,000, I would split it so that this way it's equitable. Did he do that? No, 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 no. None of the above. Bernard Sanders is a blatant liar. He is an abs- he is like every DC politician, full of bullshit. He loves railing against the millionaires and billionaires and zillionaires, but he's a millionaire himself. He became a millionaire by all the books that he's written, and some of the other. Remember, his wife got some deal to run some college as well. The you know big bonuses. Never believe what a politician says. Al Gore, oh, the, the, the earth is going to have a fever. We need to do something now. If we don't, we're going to be in trouble. Well, Al Gore is now worth, I believe, somewhere along the lines of like $500 million and his investment company is investing in companies that use carbon fuels all over the place. Again, loaded with hypocrisy. So Bernard Sanders is caught. I was surprised, actually, Margaret Brennan, actually, because she's a big lib, actually uh, uh, questioned Bernie. But you could tell when she asked the question, Bernard Sanders was not happy. He was fidgety. He, was, he wanted to stop her. He was getting angry. He was getting very agitated. You could just tell by looking at Bernie and how he sounded. And then, of course, she's like, well, you have to operate in the system. That's right. You've got to operate in the system. She tried to throw him a little bone at the end. I would have castigated him. I would have gone right after him. That should have been the last five minutes of the segment, not one minute. So anytime Bernard Sanders opens his mouth, Elizabeth Warren, you know they're all spewing blatant bullshit. Don't believe a bit of it. Tiger Woods, for many years, you'd watch him on during the golf tournaments, and he was just looked up tight. Like he just wasn't joking. You know, when he was his 20s, his 30s, he just looked very uptight. He almost in many cases, I get you're being intense. But he almost looked like he didn't, wasn't happy to be there. Yeah, he won all these championships. And yes, he's had all sorts of issues the last number of years. But he just never looked comfortable or happy on the golf course. Great golfer in his prime, yes. But did he really look happy? Like, you look at Elite Trevino. That guy was always joking around in his heyday. Even Arnold Palmer. They weren't, you don't have to be, I'm not talking about to be a, a clown, a comedian. But, you know, they interacted. You never really saw that with Tiger Woods. Always very serious, straight look. Well, he's, he's clearly changed. During the Genesis Invitational in Los Angeles, he was on the ninth hole of the first round with his uh, uh, paired-up partner, John, uh, Justin Thomas. And apparently they're, they're good, they're friends. And he outdrove after uh, 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 Tiger hit his ball off the tee, and then Thomas hit his ball, and Tiger Woods outdrove him significantly. Well, as they are walking, leaving the tee box on the fairway, they're both walking side by side, and Tiger Woods has something in his hand and must have said something to Justin Thomas and slipped it to him to Justice Thomas in his hand. So from one hand to the other. Went from Tiger Woods' hand to Justin Thomas's. And of course, one a photographer, a news photographer, captured the image, and the next thing you know, it goes viral. Well, it turns out it was a tampon. And basically, I thought that was pretty damn funny. 
basically, you know, just jesting him saying, hey, man, you know, I kind of drove you, you know, maybe you should hit from the ladies tees, you know, like, hey, you're a woman, you're a girl. I thought that was, I actually laughed my ass off when I saw that. I thought that was very creative. I thought it was funny. It showed a different side of Tiger. And you could tell that when they were both on the green, they kind of like smirked at each other. Tiger smirked and then Justin kind of laughed. It was funny. It's called a joke. Well, the next thing you know, it goes viral. And USA Today columnist Christine Brennan. Now, let me explain. Christine Brennan is a brunette Hillary Clinton. Nothing to look at. Kind of a beast. Basically angry at all men. The impression I get is she's angry at all men. Almost like a chick with a dick. That's basically, you know, someone that's angry at men. That's kind of the expression. Chick with a dick. And she has been, of course, you know, at the forefront of feminism and, 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 and title, uh, was it Title IX in sports, equality in sports. Okay, wonderful, great. Personally, I think she's an over-the-hill hag. That's my opinion. Could be wrong, but that's my opinion. And so she wrote this big USA Today column, and I, I will not regurgitate it. But she basically said, Wood's message to Thomas was obvious. It's been the go-to line of silly, often insecure boys for generations. You play like a girl, she wrote. Oh, please. It was a fucking joke. Oh, insecure boys. I assure you, both Justin Thomas and Tiger Woods are very secure. And what's wrong if you say, hey, man, you played like a girl? I mean, maybe you should. Listen, I can't tell you how many guys I've played with where one of us has a, a lousy shot, me included, and one of the other guys says, hey, Next hole, you're going to tee off from the ladies' tee. And sometimes we've actually done that, where if you have a lousy shot, you know, you got to tee off from the ladies' tee with like, you know, like a a seven iron. It's all in fun. It's called a joke. But what has happened today is we have people that are uptight like Christine Brennan. They're uptight because they're miserable in their own life. I, I Really, I wonder if she can even get a man, get a date. I don't believe she's married. I don't, uh, I, I just, if I were a guy, what do you mean? Wait a minute. If I were a guy, let me rephrase that. What I meant to say is if I were a guy that knew her, not that I am a guy. If I were a guy that knew her and she said, Hey, we should go out to dinner sometime. My answer would be, are you kidding? No chance in hell, sweetheart. I'd never go out with someone like you. You're uptight. Chick with a dick. What we see today are people that have no sense of humor anymore. Everything has got to be serious. Everything is misogynistic. It's anti-feminist. Everything is a slur. Is a, it's, just, it's absurd. And the worst thing anybody can do after doing that is apologize. When Tiger Woods was asked about it, he should have said, yeah, I was razzing him a little bit. Funny joke. And if someone would have said, well, do you think he should have said, let me, I'm going to answer this one last time. Funny joke, gag between guys. It's funny, it's a prank, that's all it is. Lighten up, everyone, and boom, that's it. Walk away, don't discuss it again. Instead, when he was asked after his round on Friday, after the second round, about the uh, thought process behind the tampon prank, he said, and I quote, It was supposed to be all fun and games, and obviously it hasn't turned out that way, he said. If I offended anybody, it was not the case. It was just friends having fun. As I said, 
If I offended anybody in any way, shape, or form, I'm sorry. It was not intended to be that way. It was just we play pranks on one another all the time. And virally, I think this did not come across that way. But between us, it was. It's different. Now, all of a sudden, we have what? Tampon gate? All of a sudden, ooh, he tried to play a prank. He, he, he has to be maligned. His career should be ended. We have to net him, let him never forget that he maligned the female species. We are woman, women, hear us roar. Never apologize. What do I always say to you? Never apologize. If you have an opinion and you believe it, whether it's controversial or not, never back down, never apologize. Double down on it. For example... If I say, listen, I think everybody has the right uh, to have whatever sexuality they want. However, I don't believe that I need to have people jumping up and down at a parade, throwing it in my face with their banana slings. And if someone said, oh, you're homophobic, I wouldn't say, oh, I, I apologize if I offended you or ended anybody. Hell no. I'd double right down on it and say, I'm going to reiterate my position. Bang whoever you want. Screw whoever you want. I don't care if you want to bang a guy, 10 guys, 50 guys, 10 goats. Have at it. But I don't need to have some guy jumping up and down at a pride parade with a banana sling, throwing it in my face. Done. When you apologize, it gets worse. Tiger Woods should have said, it was a prank. It was a joke. Frankly, I thought it was funny. Justin thought it was funny. Nothing more to it. That's it. I'm done. And if, and if Christine Brennan would have said, well, don't you think that that's juvenile and it's, 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 it's misogynistic and it's anti-feminist and it's, it's just it's demeaning girls? Wood should have said, no. And Christine, you really need to get laid and get a life and walk away. Boom! That's it. Trying to invent some controversy when it doesn't exist. The lesson is don't apologize. Don't cut off your balls. Don't become a wussified beta. Don't get on one knee, a bended knee to, to, to beg for forgiveness. If you have an opinion, you have a, a comment you make, a statement, stand by it. This was a joke. That's it. And it's funny. And I, I applaud Tiger Woods. I think that was creative. I think it was fabulous. He didn't demean any women. He didn't mock uh, uh, in any way, shape, or form, set back feminism in the women's glass ceiling in any way, shape, or form. It was a damn joke. And the problem in this country today, especially with the woke dem dipshits, is they have no sense of humor because they have no life and they are miserable sons of bitches. That is the truth. I want to enjoy my cigar. I want to enjoy my steak. I want to enjoy my spirit. I want to enjoy my funny practical jokes. End of story. If you're not happy with it or you got a problem, you're the one with the problem, not me. Done. Never apologize. That is the moral of the story. As always, make sure that you subscribe to the Cigar Dave Show podcast. Give us a five-star review. We would appreciate that. Again, there's nobody else telling it like it is. I am almost the, uh, I am a, a, like a lone mighty oak in the gale force winds of political correctness, trying to stand up against the enemies of pleasure, the enemies of cigars, the enemies of meat, 
the enemies of fun, the enemies of humor. I'm it. I'm the last bastion. Just like General Patton, we shall win. We shall run through them like crap through a goose. Cigar Dave the General saying, Mayor Humidor always be full. Mayor Cutter always be sharp. Mayor Ashby extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio. Always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure and screw the feminists that have no sense of humor. <laughs>